The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzlo is joining us with Global Commodity Analytics. And we look at the markets today. I, I made the comment before we started the Final Bell. It was nice to see some green on the screen for the corn. The soybeans, on the other hand, and the wheat saw some lower numbers, but there is a bit of a positive spin, Mike, on these soybeans because of the recovery we saw within the meal. Yeah, I think that's a big deal in this environment, Susan, because we are getting really close to a couple moving averages on the weekly and monthly charts. Again, not um, something that we haven't gone through before. In other words, last week's lows we made in meal led by the beans. We did spike through some of these moving averages, but we closed the week above and Believe it or not, meal closed the week as a whole higher just by a fraction in the lead month of July. And I look at the meal especially because we do have that first notice day coming up on Friday. So after Thursday's close, July contracts in Chicago, no matter what they are uh, in the grains, will go into a cash delivery situation. And I think when you see a meal market that has a crush price right now in July futures for soybean crush, of what the profitability is of a dollar eighty-five a bushel, and you see that that's at the top end of the annual range for this year and last year. Uh, you've got to realize that I think if we go into July uh, delivery, and the meal can hold it together and get back above that three thirty-four fifty, three thirty-four eighty level, those last week's numbers to take those out, uh, then you've got something to talk about. I think as far as giving you a technical reason to not push any lower as we see the acreage and stocks numbers. And, and that, that's, that's the first step. Then we get ready for the weather market and we get ready for the July 6th tariff deadline. You talk about this weather, remark, weather market, and obviously we're going to remain wet in the near future, especially here in the Midwest. Producers have said, boy, Mother Nature, if we could hold off and reserve some of these rains for July and August. The crop's not made yet, but some big concerns as we move towards the months of July and August. Yes, and I just posted a blog just 10 minutes before we went on the air um, about a heat wave that is coming, a hotter, drier forecast on the American, the GFS model, in areas that don't really need any more heat like the Plain States and parts of the Western Corn Belt. And as you say, there's also areas like in uh, central West Nebraska and southeast Nebraska, all the way up into uh, the parts of uh, North Dakota and especially into Minnesota and northern Iowa. Uh, one client not far from the Iowa-Minnesota border told me just today that he's had 14-plus inches of rain since Memorial Day. and. The crops are extremely waterlogged, and there's nothing that's been done in the field. So the worst thing that could happen is we turn off hot and dry during the pollination phase, which is quickly coming. And that's the other thing is that the traders are well aware of this pollination maybe being a little bit faster than normal because of the crops that got into the ground in the central corn belt. So there's so many moving parts, as there always is. But I think after you look at the meal and the beans and realize that maybe the leader to the downside is trying to find some technical support and some fundamental support because of the crush. Then you switch gears over into the corn market and you see that you had a higher price action, probably because Brazil's crop got lowered by AgroConsult. They're looking at almost 20% less production versus last year in Brazil's 
uh, uh, corn crop as a whole uh, if these numbers are anywhere close to being right. So you've got some reasons along with the weather to think the trade will want to see some short covering, especially if we get through this seasonal break in the wheat market. And that here's where the south, uh, south red wheat and the hard red wheat are really working very similar to the 2011 time period. And in 2011, we went down another leg going into the acreage and stocks report, and we made a very hard low, came back uh, to turn the corner and turn the calendar into July, and the July 2011 soft red wheat went off the board uh, almost every day higher, except for a few days maybe higher as it went into delivery. So these are the kind of things I'm looking at right now. You know, and you talk about numbers and, and conditions, and usually it seems like this Monday night report has a has a factor of some sort on the early morning Tuesday trade, and it's almost to the point you guys are expecting still to see some good to excellent numbers. But, of course, that could change as we move into the rest of the summer months. Yeah, exactly. And I think this is where you're running out of runway to hurt the crop after mid-July, and you're going to know what's going to happen with the the U.S.-China trade tariff issues by mid-July. And so I, if you can't tell in this conversation of the Fontenelle final bell, I'm looking for ways for the market to retrace, to find a low, to give me a short-covering rally to get more hedges in place for people that weren't able to do it or didn't do it. Uh, before we took this big break to the downside on the Chinese-U.S. tariffs. I'm fearful that those uh, short-covering rally uh, events will be very few and far between if we go ahead and cross the line and work into a true tariff trade war with China, because then it, it's going to be likely, based upon history, that we'll see a, uh, a, a digging in of heels. We'll see increased nationalism. We'll probably see Mexico and and. Uh, Canada uh, be more difficult to deal with on the NAFTA, and we'll probably see Europe begin to be more difficult as well because there's less to lose after you cross that line. And I was just looking at some statistics and saw that in 1982, the world trade declined for a second straight year by about 5%, and that was after 35 years of uninterrupted expansion. And it took us all the way to the mid-90s to get back to where we were in terms of multilateral trade and good uh, low tariffs and better negotiations and, and better trade across borders. Uh, it took until 95, 96, or 94, 95 to get there. So history is rife with times where if you go across the Rubicon into nationalism, protectionism. Well, stick around, folks. We'll be back with more of the Fontenelle Final Bell in just a moment. We're going to talk, though, about an olive branch and China. More is coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Okay. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Mike Zuzalo joins us with Global Commodity Analytics. And if you could have heard the chuckling um, during this commercial break, folks, it's because I was curious about this olive branch with China. But it's who they've kind of handed the olive branch to. And there's not a lot of uh, news being said about it, Mike. But it's there's not a lot of beans either coming out of these Asian nations. Well, yeah, I mean, China dropped some tariffs on animal feed from some key Asian countries near them, but they were countries that uh, really just don't present that much of an opportunity for China to be able to buy that big of quantities. One of them was India, and India did grow about 11 million tons of soybeans in the 16-17 marketing year, but they exported less than 300,000 tons. And the, and the tariffs that are currently in place 
I think they're around 3% in soybeans and 9% in rapeseed and 5% for soy meal, Susan. So it's not like they're really big tariffs anyway. I wonder, you know, two things here that struck me. Number one, um, it, it is a show of what we talked about before we went to commercial break. The Chinese are digging in their heels. But I think also the possibility may be that they are trying to incentivize the South Americans to get their act together when it comes to the Brazilian uh, freight issues and it comes to the Argentine uh, general strike that was just put in place for one day. But there's such an economic, financial, potential crisis in Argentina, you've got to wonder whether the inflation will keep going so high that farmers will literally use, like they have in the past, and wisely so, use their soybeans and their corn to a lesser degree as a currency hedge and an inflation hedge. And I think that's probably the biggest reason why China did what they did, was to try and get that bean market activated down in South America and get those beans out of there so that they could start getting them on the water, because they are going to need them uh, by the time we get into that September, October time period. I think China, from the meal stocks that I keep track of real time, the crushing margins over there, which are still pretty negative, and also the uh, production uh, profitability for hog and poultry producers over there, which are still slightly negative, they probably don't absolutely have to have beans right now. But Come September, October, I think it'll be a different story. And Mike, you talked about getting beans on the water, and I know we've been kind of talking about this the last week and a half or so on on the Fontenelle Final Bell. There has been some trucking disputes in Brazil. Makes it hard to get those beans to port. Do we? And you've yeah, and you've got a situation in this market right now, Susan, where the soybean price in China is literally five hundred some dollars per metric ton, whereas in the United States it's 330 so you're essentially talking about $14 beans versus $9 beans and so even with the tariff the domestic price of soybeans in China has gone straight up essentially because of the tariffs being announced and so we are back to being competitive even with Brazil and and almost competitive even with the tariffs so this is where that daylight that we were talking about in the last segment of potential short-covering rallies could come into play and give us fresh opportunities. And I keep telling clients and subscribers the fundamentals are there for the corn market to go up and, and go up to and fill their gap all the way up at around 410, 410 and a half. Because even if you take the U.S. corn yield up to 180, that's about 30 million. That's about 30 million tons more of U.S. production. But if you take five from Argent- Argentina and five from Brazil. And, and 10 from China and 5 from the Ukraine, all of a sudden you're talking about that 30 or 40 million tons of U.S. production only being about 10 million extra tons of production and ending stocks in the world. So you're still sitting at about a 165 carryover in world corn ending stocks in terms of million metric tons. That's not burdensome at all. So. I, I can see a lot of daylight for the corn if we could just get that low in the wheat market. I'm curious, as we switch over to the livestock side, it has been, as one called it, virtually quiet when it comes to cattle country and the trade today. Yeah, and I think the two best things to talk about with the cattle producers right now and the hog producers right now is your national corn index price that DTN keeps track of is back down below 325 Your four-year average is 335 and so you're now below your four-year average and this is after four pretty tough years in the corn market 
you need to keep booking the corn and you need to keep getting your physical corn booked, especially in areas like you're talking about, out literally out your back window where you're seeing flooding right now. That's not the pivots aren't going to help you on that, and so your cash basis could see quite a bit of spiking if you continue to have poor weather in your area of the in, in a very heavy livestock feeding area. And I think those cattle on feed numbers really show that we are susceptible to having potential livestock uh, feeding margins go in the red because we're putting a lot of young cattle in the lots based upon Friday's numbers. I think the less than six ninety nine uh, number was around 35% more than a year ago. Best way for folks to reach you, Mike, after the markets close? Uh, Best way to do it is to call. Phone me after the close, 866-471-2588. I love to talk and meet people. If you don't have time for that, go to the website some evening when you get home, globalanalytics.biz. Sign up and register for a two-week free trial. All right, that's the Fontenelle Final Bell right here on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.